You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. If we're not loving God as God in our lives, and then, then I think that's going to trickle down into the various aspects of, of our family, of our marriage, and of our family. Husbands think I'm just I'm just the guy that I am. I'm the way that I am. She's a talker. I'm not. And I want to dispel that myth that like, you don't have to be emotionally unintelligent. You can grow in emotional intelligence, emotional awareness as a means of being faithful to God and as a means of loving your wife. Not only shows them that, you know, dad means what dad says. Uh, and so I have a father in heaven. That also means what he says. But I also have a father in heaven who's gracious. And he's not giving me everything that I deserve. But instead, he's extended grace because that's just who he is. He's gracious. This is Adam Griffin, and I am not here with my co-host today. I am flying solo, but man, we have a tremendous guest for you on the podcast today. My friend, we've known each other now for years, and I've admired him from afar over and over and over again. This is my friend, Ryan Frederick from Fierce Marriage. How are you doing today, Ryan? Adam, so good to be with you, man. It's always fun talking to you. It has been years, hasn't it? Yeah, years. I mean, I, I remember I remember the day we met. There was a, yeah. you scheduled an appointment. I don't know what you were in Dallas for, but you just popped into the office. And um, then it was my intro to you and to Fierce Parenting. Yeah, we were checking out the sending program there at the village um, back awesome. then. Yeah, but we met you instead. So this is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, you got the uh, bum end of the deal there, but I am so grateful for all the ministry you guys have. I've, I've gotten to read your books before they've come out. I've sent you mine before they come out. I've, yeah. uh, you guys endorsed family discipleship, which I was so grateful for. And then of course your ministry uh, to couples and to families is profound. I want to talk about that uh, more here in a second. Before we jump into the conversation, could you just tell us a little about what uh, the work is that you and Selena do, but also your family a little bit? Yeah. So um, Selena and I have been married uh, almost 20 years. We celebrated our 19th anniversary about three months ago. Um, in that time, we've been able to, God has blessed us with three daughters, uh, nine and down. Our youngest daughter that's not in the womb is three. We have a, uh, don't, we don't know, we have another baby ex- we're expecting anytime now. Um, so by the time maybe- Could be born during this recording, right? Like could yeah, be exactly. right now. <laughs> if I run away, you know exactly why. <laughs> yes, yeah, Lena, I think it's 38 and a half weeks along. So by the time this maybe- is released, we might even have the baby in our arms. So we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Oh, We're excited yeah. to find out. This is the first one where we've not uh, snuck a peek um, or asked the doctor to tell us. So <laughs> there's a lot of anticipation around the Frederick household. In terms of the ministry that we do, we started uh, ministering to marriages uh, about a decade ago. We just felt this burden to uh, speak candidly, openly, honestly, uh, and point couples to Christ because he, at that point, we had been about nine to 10 years into our marriage. And he was clearly the only reason that we were still married. And so we thought, you know what? Mm. We have people around us that are struggling with their marriages. They're fighting and some of them are getting divorced. We had friends that have been divorced, uh, it, married and divorced even two times. And so we thought, what is different? What, 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 how can we steward what we have? And so we started a blog and that turned into uh, writing some self-published books and then a podcast and other books. And here we are. And now we are um, doing the family side, I guess you could say, just not marriage, but also parenting. So we have two podcasts, Fierce Marriage, Fierce Parenting. And then we do, aside from writing, we teach online courses and stuff like that. So there you go. Yeah. And your stuff is is tremendous. If anybody, I assume most people listening uh, to the Family Discipleship Podcast are already familiar because mm-hmm. Fierce Marriage has been around. Fierce Parenting has been around. And what you guys do is just so tremendous. I'm so grateful for you. So the reason I wanted to bring you on, Ryan, 
is to talk more about, uh, for us, it's a podcast that focuses on leading our family spiritually. Uh, while not all of our listeners are married by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, we have a lot of uh, single people, single moms, single parents, uh, ministers at churches uh, that listen in. A lot of our people obviously are, but you can't really talk for very long about family disciples without eventually having some conversations about the impact from marriage, on marriage. And so I wanted to have you as my, my friend who thinks about this all the time come on and help us think about how does our marriage kind of impact? How does it affect the way we lead our family? So I know you guys just did like a whole podcast episode on this, but how do you think, or why, I guess, why is a healthy marriage worth fighting for? It's kind of the theme of kind of your whole ministry, but why is that something that even before we start thinking about all oh, these kids we've got responsibility for, why is marriage so important when you think about the role that a godly man or woman has in their house? So primarily, I mean, the, the reason why marriage is, is important is because God said so, right? He said he designed it as the place where family happens. He gave us the covenantal framework. He modeled the covenantal framework, and he then gave it to us. And we are stepping into this kind of cathedral of marriage. When it's, we're, we're not instantiating something new. Instead, we are stepping into an institution that he's given us for the flourishing of couples um, and for the flourishing of children. So I think that's the first reason marriage is important. Secondly, I think, you know, obviously the stability, there's all kinds of studies around the stability that marriage provides, uh, but the spiritual, on the spiritual side, and we always say this to husbands, we say the, the, the best way you can love your kids, we say it to wives too, but the best way you can love your kids is to love your, your spouse well, um, because they need this, they need to see that model. They need to see not just, and, and not just uh, kind of the 1950s caricature of, you know, husband and wife, you're, you know, doing this ideal household. Some of that's great, but really, I think they need to see honest Christian living happening between husband and wife. And, uh, and and what I'm thinking of right now is love that's being modeled, that's selfless, but also repentance, forgiveness, um, grace that's yeah. ex- being extended between husband and wife in front of the children. And then when they see that model, they, and then you actually do the same thing with them. You, at times, parents repent to their kids. You know, I've, I've repented to my kids many times for not loving them as I should or responding as I should. Well, they, when they see you repent and they see it modeled, it's like they actually start to think these things are actually real and got, and, and this is actually bigger than just our little family, but it's uh, so much more important. So, I mean, there's a thousand reasons why a healthy marriage is, is good for kids, but those are the first two that come to mind. Yeah, I love what you brought up already, just uh, thinking about it spiritually and the spiritual life of a husband and wife. I, I think a lot of marriages, when they're struggling, people get counseling for things like communication intimacy, anger, uh, their lack of forgiveness, you know, holding grudges against one another. You don't hear a lot though. Maybe you do, but I don't hear a lot of couples seeking counsel for their spiritual lives in marriage. We're like, everything else is fine, but it seems like we're spiritually dry right now. Yeah. Do, you, do you think uh, a couple's spiritual life has a big impact on the overall health of the relationship in general? Like how do you counsel the couples to pursue God either together or on behalf of each other? I'll tell you what, I mean, we've been married, like I said, almost 20 years and we've not felt closer in that whole time than we felt over the last, I'd say, six months. And that's, you're catching us on a really unique time because mm. um, while we've read our Bibles kind of in parallel to one another in, in terms of she's got her you know, thing that she's studying, I've got my thing that I'm studying, I've got my prayer life, she's got her prayer life. Um, I think starting in September, we, we began a new reading plan. It's very, we read through the whole Bible in nine months and we've been doing that together. And, and not only that, we have good friends that have modeled this to us and they've showed us, shown us how they get up every morning, six o'clock. It's just husband and wife. And that's their reading time from six to seven. And so we said, let's try that. And so we started doing that, not just reading scripture and then on our own and then talking about it when we get a chance, but instead actually reading it side by side. And 
I can't tell you how much that's like, we haven't had, and obviously we have small tiffs here and there, but we haven't had communication issues. Intimacy has been off the charts. And this is with a wife that's, you know, in the second and third trimester of her pregnancy. Uh, in terms of our, you know, just unity, it's been incredible. We're praying for each other in those times. Our kids are coming down in the morning. They're seeing us uh, connecting in that way. It's like now they're wanting to have devotions of their own. And, and so they have now have their own reading plan. Mm. They're now coming down every morning and they're doing. So in terms of the importance of a spiritual life and why modeling that is, is so critical, I think us studying scripture together and having a healthy spiritual life together has done more for the health of our marriage than any kind of, I'll say belly gazing, you know, or navel gazing rather is the term where I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I talk better to my wife? Instead of looking at scripture and that's actually overflowing into our communications, overflowing into, you know, all the other areas that we always want to improve in. So I think it is the font from which life springs, right? Jesus said this, he says, I, I am the living water. Come to me. You'll never thirst again. Well, we go to him. Truly, we go to him, and sometimes that's harder than others, but we go to him in, in with rigorous study, I'll say. It, it, it springs forth all manner of, of, of flourishing. At least that's been our experience over the, last, over the last four or five months. That's great. I also think, you know, belly gazing is not the worst term for something that's really hard for your marriage. I definitely, in my marriage, if, if, if belly gazing was going on too much, it'd be really difficult. Uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, navel gazing, the, the, the self-centeredness, right. it, it has to go to the side when you're focusing your life on Christ together. Now, also, you guys have created some resources, I think, for uh, for helping uh, equip spouses to pray for one another. Tell us about that. Like things you're going to pray for your husband, pray. Maybe yeah. if if what has been really good for you and Selena lately is, is being in the Bible together. Talk to me a little bit about too, about when you're on your own, thinking about your spouse and bringing their name up before the Lord. What, yeah. Why has that been important? And what have you guys done in that area? So yeah, we wrote these books, uh, I think about three, four, maybe four years ago. Uh, they're called 40 Prayers for My Wife and 40 Prayers for My Husband. And kind of the epiphany in that was, twofold. The first one was how, as, as a husband, I can intentionally go to, to God on behalf of my wife with kind of a systematic way to pray for her. And that systematic way is, this is very simple, but it's worked for us. It's just kind of from head to toe, right? So I'm praying over her mind. I'm praying over her, her wellness. Obviously, the covering of the Lord would be on her and that, that he would protect her, right? I'm praying for her, her thought life. I'm praying for the people that are speaking into her, praying for her ears, people that are speaking into her life, that her friends would be, you know, godly friends. And, and you just go on down the list, on, on on down to the work of her hands and where her feet take her. And that's been very intentional. Mm. And that has helped me as a husband to kind of think systematically through how I can be praying for my wife. And on a sidebar to that, in that prayer life, not just coming to God kind of with my own, necessarily my own thoughts, but really reading the word and responding to his word and letting my prayers be a response to what he's what he's told us in his word. Anyway, so that's, that's a general note on prayer in terms of the actual, so I have the systematic way of praying. And then the other epiphany as we wrote those books was praying with big faith in our big God. Right. And so what I mean by that is mm. as, as couples go through these books, what, what, the first thing we do is we have them do an inventory. You say, if you were to rate your marriage, your relationship on a scale of one to 10 in these various areas, so communication, intimacy, financial unity, uh, you know, the vision that you have for your family, kind of the general climate of your home life. How would you rate your marriage? And so we have them kind of circle on a scale of one to 10 on down. And then we say, okay, commit for the next 40 days. That's how long the challenge is. For 40 days, we want you just to pray intentionally and pray for these areas that you need improvement in. And then come back after 40, 40 days and do the same thing again, but this time circle the numbers in a different color. Um, and, and see where has God moved. Mm. I think so often we pray, we ask God to move, and then we, we move on 
while he's moving the whole time. And we forget to look back and, and look at all that God has done. And so we really encourage couples to not only pray, but pray with big faith and then pray with a faith that looks back and says, wow, look at what our good God has done and how gracious he's been. When we have come to him and we prayed to him, it's just a miracle that he listens to our prayers and he hears our prayers and he responds to our prayers and he answers right. them. And I think so often we overlook the miracle that that is. Yeah, I love what you're talking to too. The, the, the uh, systematic way you pray for your wife is really beautiful. I wonder, do you have a similar way when you're praying for your kids as you're praying for your family? Do you think about it in a systematized manner? Like, do, in other words, does the way that you pray for your wife impact the way you're praying for your children? Or does it feel like a totally different thing? As a father, I think my orientation toward my kids is a little bit different. That I, I tend, so I would say wife would be top to bottom. With them, I feel like it's more from the inside out. Like I'm praying for their heart more than anything, that their heart would stay soft to God mm. and they would, you know, obey him quickly, gladly, you know, and boldly they would obey him. They would, and that, that God would help me, you know, steward their hearts well. And so, I don't know. I mean, I do pray for their protection and I pray that I'm able to provide for them. And, but I think my orientation toward them is more inside out for sure. Yeah. I know you know this because this is the world you swim in, but so many people's marriages are really not in a great place. Like, I'm so glad to hear that you and Selena are on the same page and you're reading the Bible together. The way you pray for her is really beautiful and the resources you guys put out, the conversations you have. But a lot of people who will be listening right now are coming from a marriage where like things are really rocky, like where husband and wife are on different pages or arguments seem more common than compliments. You know, it just has been really difficult. What kind of encouragement do you offer? Maybe the person who's listening right now who wants to lead their kids well, but right now it feels like their marriage is falling apart. They want to they wanna have a beautiful, healthy family, but right now it just feels really desperate. Well, first off, yeah, they're, they're not the first couple to be in that place, as you know very well. And so, and, and this, they're not the first couple that can recover from something like that, feeling that, that level of dis, being disjointed, disunified. And this is going to sound rote, but it's, you know, this is the answer that, I, that comes to mind. Um, trust Christ and, and, you know, do, the, do the, the actions of faithful parenting, even if you feel like your marriage isn't necessarily making those actions easier. You know, that we have instruction as parents yeah. and it's not really, you know, we need to nurture in them the you know, love for the Lord and teach them the things of God and disciple them and do those things. And there's not really a caveat there. So I'd say continue doing that and all the while contending for and fighting for your own marriage. And so we have Pray and Pursue. So we have two books that are all about pursuit, and we have two books that are all about prayer. Because pursuit are the things that I can really kind of sink my teeth into in terms of pursuing my wife. I can, you know, try to grow. I can try to, you know, do things for her, speak her quote-unquote love language, as, as we all know. And those are things that are kind of in my, they're in my hands to do. And then there's the prayer part, which is like, I can't change my wife's heart. I can't, I can't make her mm. respond to these things or trust me in a way that is supernatural. God needs to move in that situation. And so while you're parenting faithfully, I think, you know, act with faithfulness and big faith in God and that he, and trusting him to actually move. And one of the biggest things, and we actually have two communication books just about ready to come out. And the reason we wrote those is because we feel like if you can get communication right, if you can figure out how to honor the Lord with how you speak to your spouse and honor your spouse and how you speak to them and to do so wisely, diligently, and with intentionality, then that usually is the thing that breaks the log jams free is what we found. A lot of, a lot of issues really stem from communication problems. Um, and so if you're going to focus in on one area as you're seeking your spouse, really, really think about the idea of communication being a grace of God that you can connect with another soul and that words have a way of getting beneath the surface 
And then also embrace the idea that uh, you can grow as a communicator. I know a lot of husbands, I speak to husbands on this. Husbands think I'm just, I'm just the guy that I am. Just, I'm the way that I am. She's a talker, I'm not. And I want to dispel that myth that mm. like, you don't have to be emotionally unintelligent. You can grow in emotional intelligence, emotional awareness as a means of being faithful to God and as a means of loving your wife well. And so a lot of times in that pursuit, as you're fighting for a healthier marriage, communication can be the, you know, the main thing. And I believe husbands should really lead, lead that charge in terms of uh, having a healthy communication culture uh, in their household. That's a lot there, but hopefully something in there is helpful. No, that's good. So when, when a f- couple is struggling, and I know, you know, maybe somebody's listening right now because they think a podcast might be helpful, or maybe they're checking out your resources mm-hmm. because they think, you know, resources might be helpful, which is really like a third voice, right? If you think about husband, wife, and you're inviting kind of a third voice right. that's less personal. I wonder for you, in your story, was there anybody personal? Was there a pastor, a counselor, a friend, a mentor that you said, actually, it was really helpful to also talk to this third voice? Yeah. Outside of just the resources, the the impersonal authors, but what was, what was your story of inviting in other people into the difficult times? I mean, the, the quick answer is the body of Christ. And namely, there was a couple that they were actually younger than us, uh, wise beyond their years. Mm. They'd been married, I don't know, less, you know, probably a third of the time that we'd been married. And they were leading a small group and we had gone to their, you know, it's a, you know, their, their community group on a Wednesday night. we have been going there for a year and they just having known us and we were close friends with them. Having been in our airspace, they said, they saw, the husband saw, he said, there's something up, you got something up with you guys. We were going through a funk. And uh, all they did was they saw this, they identified it. They were bold enough to invite us over for dinner. They invited us over for dinner. And then during that dinner, they just said, let's talk about whatever's going on. And uh, what, what that wow. did was that, that allowed us, uh, again, that, that kind of that third person sitting there was actually this couple, but it allowed us to process it because they didn't give us any real advice. They just said, can you talk about this together? And what that does is it's like, it's like talking to your spouse with your pastor in the room. Right? You're not going to say the same things in the same ways yeah. that you would behind closed doors you know, in your bedroom, in your house. You're not going to be as sloppy with how you say things and what you say. And what that did, it kind of made us be honest with how, you know, with ourselves without using manipulate, you know, manipulative tactics. Even the marriage bloggers, even the marriage podcasters can fall into some of these bad habits and ruts at times. And we certainly aren't an exception to that. So I'd say the body of Christ. And of course, a pastor could play that role. You know, a biblical counselor could help play that role. Even a relative, a parent, you know, they could come alongside you and play that role. But the key is it's it's the honest relationship where you're honestly known and you're speaking truthfully and transparently. And that's when you start to see the breakthroughs happen. Hey friends, it's March. And that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, 
The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. I love that. I love what you're saying about the body of Christ, but also just being being known. One of the books you wrote was all about being known. See Through Marriage marriage was this idea. Uh, being known, being truly loved. And you're talking about in the third voice, even opening that up to the body of Christ saying, here's what's really going on, uh, saying it in a way that's helpful, inviting them in honestly. You, in that book, you encourage couples to really be transparent, vulnerable with one another. And so much, obviously, of family discipleship, so much of leading our kids is fostering an environment where kids can trust their parents to respond really well to the things that they share. It's fostering a home where a kid could be really vulnerable and honest and the parents aren't going to overreact or underreact. But how do we react really well so our kids trust us? How do you, how do you guys work in the Frederick home at creating a place where it's safe to be honest with one another? And maybe, I don't know if that also plays out for your kids, but I'd love for you just to speak a little bit. How, how did you guys foster a safe place for you guys mm-hmm. to share with one another, the kind of vulnerable, difficult, maybe even ugly parts of what's going on? I always tell our daughters um, that my number one job is, and I, I quiz them on it. I say, what's daddy's number one job? And they know the answer. And, and but I've told them my number one job is to maximize their joy. And of course, they know that that's loaded. It's not just maximizing their happiness, their joy, their, their pleasure, their fun, right. but to point them to Christ. And so part of me maximizing their joy is to show them who Christ is. And one of the ways that I try to show them is to cult- cultivate with them trust, right? So do you trust me when I say no to something you want me to say yes to? Are you going to trust me? Mm. I, I, I don't see why. why. Why would I? Why would you say no? I don't see a reason. I say, well, I'm asking you to trust me because my job is to maximize your joy. And I, trust me that I, you know. And so I think building that trust with them is 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 paramount to having them feel safe when they need to be vulnerable with you. Um, and then also really emphasizing truth. And I don't mean, mean to be too prescriptive here, but I think you can't have enough trust and enough truth in a family. And so the kids know, and, I, and of course they're learning how to flesh that out, that they're always going to be better off telling me a truth that, they, that I don't want to hear than lying to me about that same thing. Right. Mm, and so, good. and that just last night, you know, they have a way of kind of whitewashing, you know, uh, things that they've done and making themselves look good. And I just say, it's always better for you to tell me the truth. It'll always be better. And by the way, I'm going to know if you're lying. <laughs> and so it's useless to try and lie anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then responding to them. And, um, mm-hmm. I'll just end with this. One of the things, you know, I, I try to, uh, as much as I can be a, be a man of my word. Right. So if I say, you know, if they're disobeying in a, in a, yeah. in the car or in a public setting, I say, okay, when we go home, we're going to have a consequence and, 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 you know, it's not gonna, you're not gonna like it type of thing. And, uh, you know, try to follow through with that. And, and so they trust yeah. that that consequence is going to happen and it's proportionate to whatever the, you know, the disobedience was. But there are times when I break that and I say, you know, this is the time for the consequence and they fully expect it to come. Yeah. 
And I say to them, I'm, instead, I'm going to show you grace. And here's what, why I want to show you grace. I'm not going to give you that consequence. Instead, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to give you a hug and we're going to talk through it. And I think what that does is that not only shows them trust, it, doesn't, it not only shows them that, you know, dad means what dad says. Uh, and so I have a father in heaven. That also means what he says. But I also have a father in heaven who's gracious. And he's not given me everything that I deserve. But instead, he's extended grace because that's just who he is. He's gracious. And I try to teach them that as I'm showing them grace. Although it's a shadow of the grace we receive from God, it's in a dim reflection of who he is. I'm hoping that that builds trust to the point where they can, you know, when they get into the teenage, our oldest is nine, right? So we have a lot of challenges ahead of us. Everybody knows everything about parenting until they have teenagers, right? And so right. when they get into that stage, I'm hoping that they'll feel that confidence and trust to come to us uh, with whatever the issues they're facing. Amen. I know that you you love your wife. I know you do. And I know you love your kids and you love God. You have a, a beautiful love on full display. And in many ways, you've invited kind of the world into seeing into the Frederick home to say, this is how we love our kids and we love our wife and we love our God. And you've invited a lot of people into that. So it's, it's really obvious. I wonder if uh, if you've ever experienced this or if you've ever hit this with some of your listeners, some of your readers, some of the people who who lean on you, if you ever see kind of in a, in a home where kids are loved and a spouse is loved, that there's competition between those loves, that uh, that love for the kids maybe becomes central and so love for the spouse becomes secondary or, or, or difficult. Like, do you ever see someone love their kids so much that they maybe neglect their spouse in the name of serving their kids? In other words, I guess, how do we keep our marriage from becoming just about the kids? How do you balance all those loves really well? Well, uh, I mean, disordered love, right? That's, that's, I forget who said it, right? The, the, my root of all sin is disordered love, something to that effect. And so if we're, if we're not, I think you just said it, we're going to quote you on that. That's perfect. <laughs> if we're not loving God as God in our lives, and, and then, then I think that's going to trickle down into the various aspects of, of our family, of our marriage and of our family. Here's an example. We're actually getting ready to record a podcast episode today, Lord willing, that's basically talking about a parent's tendency to idolize their children and all the deleterious effects of idolizing our children yeah. on, and, and on them and on you and on your marriage. And that's, that's one of them. Um, and I think oftentimes when I see an idolizing of children, it's usually the mother. It's not across the board, but it's usually going to be the mother. And it's usually because that mother doesn't feel the same level of safety or unity with her husband or with the father. And so she's going to think, okay, this is shaky. This marriage is covenant is, is shaky. Hmm. But this relationship with my kids is rock solid. And I will do anything for this relationship because this, and it could be causal, it could be correlational. But the point is that's usually where you see it. Um, or if that husband, he, he doesn't feel solid, maybe the relationship's fine, but she doesn't trust him or she doesn't trust him to lead. That's where she's going to feel the need to really um, kind of mama bear the thing. And so generally, yeah, generally speaking, that whenever that dynamic is happening, when there's an idolization of the children and it's being placed as a priority above the love of the husband and wife, it's usually the symptom of some something that's happening. And the warning there is that, listen, you're, you're married to your spouse for life. Your kids are going to be gone someday. So... Don't neglect your marriage to, to love your kids because right. eventually your kids your kids aren't going to be there for life. And so you need to we need to be mature enough to see that on the horizon and and sow seed where we know the seed will grow and, and needs to grow for the future. No, I love that. In fact, I mean, I'm a, I'm a really strong believer that these loves should not be in competition with one another. And if they are, then yep. there's some that's a red flag that something's going wrong. Like my love for God should not be competition with my love for my wife. That's a totally, Amen. it's not really separate, but like through my love for God, I love my wife. And they are kind of um, 
They are woven together. It's my love for my spouse is also expressed in my love for my children. My love for my God is expressed in my love for my children. And when they start to compete, it, it is a red flag that there's some idolatry going on. I love what you're saying. We're doing an episode later this season too on uh, can you love your kids too much? Uh, with the idea of, of addressing idolatry yeah. in the home. And I think it's a very easy thing to slip into. It's also uh, sometimes can feel really safe for a couple that maybe their marriage is not doing really well to make the marriage increasingly about the kids. Yeah. And that's not good for the kids or for the marriage. Obviously, it's not good for the kids to feel like they are put in a position where they are God. It's not good. And nor will they fulfill that role very well, any more so yeah. than idolizing your wife or idolizing your husband is healthy for a marriage. You know, God should play in his role, which is ultimate, which is he doesn't say, I want the biggest portion of your heart. He says, I want your whole heart. And so I, yeah. I get that we're going to love other things, but it always right. comes through the fact that my whole heart is God. Uh, I know that we could spend a lot more time talking about marriage and talking about parenting. And honestly, I'm so grateful for the work you guys do. And I, I want to encourage too any listener who's listening, who is in a spiritually dry place, or maybe your marriage is in a really difficult place, that while listening to a podcast can be helpful, I hope God uses this to spur you on to have a, a real life third voice invited into what's mm -hmm. going on right now. That uh, like Ryan talked about, getting into the body of Christ and leaning into your local pastor or counselor and, and, and accentuating that with resources. But our heart for you is that you would run towards uh, the, the resources God has offered you in his word and in his people. And maybe this is part of that. Ryan, I'm so grateful for you. But before we let you go, the one thing that we have to offer you is to pray for the Frederick family. Obviously, you're about to meet your new son or daughter, which we're really excited about. I know if it's a boy, you're going to yeah. name him Adam, which is really kind. I think that <laughs> that's really special. Um, if it's a girl, I don't. Adamina is also available still. Not a lot of people are doing that. Uh, but seriously, before we let you go, what are the things that our listeners can be praying for you, praying for Selena and praying for your ministry? You know, again, by the time listeners hear this, uh, it may be too late to pray for, uh, you know, <laughs> a delivery that goes well. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we are, I, I, was, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. I was like, man, no matter, you know, this is our fourth child. And I was like, I'm just as nervous for the fourth as I was for the first. Like, mm. so it always feels like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the, this new life is going to be like. So I think I just, uh, I think that that season would be sweet and then we would embrace it, but also that we would find our new normal, whatever that is, and learn to be faithful in that season. That's great, man. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to have our people praying for you in that. And I, I believe the Lord hears prayers and will uh, respond accordingly. Our God loves you and the ministry you're doing, Ryan. And so do I, man. I'm so grateful for you. I hope you guys keep it up. Man. And thank you so much for your time today with us, brother. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners. We're looking forward to all God has for us this spring, and we will see you next week. <laughs>